Okay, so with the Shmaya, we're going to jump right back into our weekly shir in Sicha Saran. We've sort of gotten to the end of the first spate of longer pieces, not exactly so long. Hay was very long, the other ones were medium-sized. And over here we have two very, very short pieces, like many of the pieces in Sichas Ranar, and then a little bit of a longer piece, which we're going to spend the bulk of tonight on. And uh, it was so amazing to see some of the Chavram Purim, and the rest of you, hopefully I'll see next Purim, and I hope you guys are recovered already. Purim Mishilash, not simple. <laughs> so, Baruch Hashem, a big, a big, a big schos. Here we have some more sheets for you. Thanks for coming. Okay, so let's begin with Sichas Ran. Ches, and the Rebbe says like this, When a person is learning things that have to do with punishment or suffering, when a person is learning Hilchas Havelis, or should never hear of such a thing, and there should, it shouldn't be Shaykh anymore, those halachas shouldn't be relevant, but a person learns Hilchas Havelis, Rabbi Nachman says, You know, a person, unless it's mamash like the Chaver Kaddish, somebody who needs to you know, know all the halachas of Tara, and you know, that's his Indian, that's his Shor Shashama. But aside from that, a person doesn't need necessarily to be ma'ayin there as much as he needs to be ma'ayin in Hilchus Sukkah, or Hilchus Pesach is coming up, Shlesham Yim Kaidim, now's the time that we're supposed to be ma'ayin in the Sukkahs of, of, of Psachim. But in Hilchus Avelus, ain't la'ayin Shem Harbeke, ain't srichem lahamakam achshava b'mekoymas ke'elu. Because the Rebbe says, and this is an important yesod that he discusses many times throughout Sichas Ran and the Kutumran as well, Ki because the mind has a tremendous, tremendous power. As is described in other places. Because even if a person is thinking, even if it's in a way of Kedusha, it's, it's Torah, right? It's like anything in, in, in Limanat Torah. Hilchas Havelis, you think about a negative thing like this, someone dying, a tragedy, a little bit, a little bit, it could take away. Thanks so much for coming. A little bit. Your Machshava, even in a way of holiness, can cause, can cause um, something terrible to happen. And therefore, a person should be ma'ayin, should learn those halachas, absolutely. But ain't ma'ayin sham harbi, it could be mafalpal in other areas of, uh, of halacha. Not, not that area. And it goes without saying, you know, that if this is so in a way of kedusha, certainly, in a way of uh, tuma, right, how much power a person's moach, a person's machshava has a tremendous, tremendous power. As we will talk, in the context of later lessons in Sichas Ram. But that is Sichas Ram Ches. Sichas Ram Tes, a one-liner. The Rebbe says, B'Shem HaBal Shem Tov, We hear, and we've heard in the name of the Baal Shem, of course, Rabbi Nachman was a great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. He grew up in his house. Shesakin ain't noisnin b'matana. You don't give somebody a knife as a gift. This is a Kabbalah from the Baal Shem HaKadosh. He was very makbid not to give a sakin a knife b'matana. Hainu she'echad la'yitin l'chaveira sakin b'matana that a person should not give his friend a knife as a gift. Okay, what's the sod here? What was the Baal Shem Tov's kavana? Obviously, everything is pshat, remez, drush, and sod. There's deep, deep sodas so of why dafka sakin. A person shouldn't give a knife to a friend, a pocket knife or a chala knife even, but a knife a person shouldn't give as a, as a gift. But I was thinking maybe it could be possible to understand this, perhaps. I'll pee this, uh, this Pasuk and Rashi and Shemos. Rashi tells us, based on this Pasuk, let's see the Pasuk first, V'imizbach avanem tasali, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when you build for me a mezbeach of stone, sivne eshen gazis. A person cannot use iron, cannot use metal. Ki because if you pass a sword to cut, or a saw, I guess, in construction, to build a mezbeach, you're going to ruin the kedusha. you're going to make it chal mundane. This Indian of a mezbeach should not be connected to the concept of a sword, of a saw, of a knife, and obviously they had the shamir worm that did all the cutting, because you weren't allowed to use metal, you weren't allowed to use iron tools in the Beis HaMikdash. Says Rashi, Tupshatim, amazing. Rashi says, Vadchalala, a famous thing, Halamata, says Rashi, Shemhinaftala barzel chilalta, that if you pass barzel iron over this mizbeach, you've desecrated, chilalta. Because a mezbeach is here to be marich, a person's life, a person brings a carbon, a person is forgiven, a person has all of his averis wiped away, he's marich, right? A Kodesh Baruch who doesn't want that a Russia should die. A Kodesh Baruch who wants him to return, and in doing tshuva, he'll have a yamim. And so the mezbeach represented a yamim. Who puts such a sharp thing in the world that you can make into a sword? And what's going to happen? You're makatsar a person's life. 
Nebuchadnezzar says it's not proper that that which is fashioned for the purpose of being mekatzer chayim, to make one's life shorter, should have what to do with something that's being marich, a person's, a person's life. But a separate reason he brings, that the Mizbeach was for the same thing, for the purpose. A person brings a carbon and it makes peace, so to speak, right? It makes one, it makes whole that relationship between the sinner and the master of the world. Therefore, again, similar Indian, it's not proper for that which is coming to cut off, that which is coming to be Mikatzer, to come next to that which is being Marich. Says Rashi, an unbelievable thing. It's a Kalvachaymer. Barzel, that the Mizbeach, that it's not a conscious thing, even though very deeply, even stones on a very, very, very subtle level, they have some sort of nefesh or something there, it's in the world, Bechlal. it has some chiyas that gives it that energy of being a domain. It draws from the last letter of Yudke Vavke, the last hey is connected to the domain, those inanimate things in the world. So it has some life force, but it's not a conscious being. But it's there in the sense of its function, its utility, is to make that a person's life should be longer. And the Torah says we cannot bring that which is mikatzer chayim onto something that's mar b'chayim, even though it's not conscious of this. Certainly, Amitil Shalom bin Ishle Ishtai, a person that goes ahead and brings two people together. Bein mishpachal mishpacha, and brings peace between a husband and his wife, or brings, pre- brings peace between families. Bein adam l'chaveiroi, between a person and his friend. Allah has kama v'kama shaloit so over here, this is the nimshal, that no negativity, nothing that's going to be makatsar in any sort of way should be brought into this relationship. So it's the first thing I thought about when I learned this for the first time was this Rashi, right? That why sakin ain't noisim imatana? Because what's the Indian? He says over here, bein ish, bein adam l'chaveirei, bein ish l'ishtai. Something that's a relationship that's marich chayim, that's the Indian of shalom, something that gives longevity to a person, like the Pasuk says, that if a person has ish, a person has worry in a person's heart, the daiga is mekatsar chayim, a person who's worried all the time, a person who's depressed all the time, it takes away your chiyas, you're, you're, you're hardly alive, a person that has no simcha, has no joy. So yasichen ala the Pasuk says, what you should you do if you have worry, you have to speak to somebody else, you have to, you have to unburden yourself. And that means that a, that a relationship, you have one good friend in the world that you mamash feel that you can open up to, it's marachayim. That adds life. That, that's the Iker Chaim. To really share one moment with a person who you love, Ezra Hashem, you'll all have spouses one day. To share one moment, you know, in a certain way, you could measure that minute in 60 seconds, but it's infinite, right? To sit there with a person who, mamish, time stops. You ever heard that expression? You sit with someone who you love, it's skelu, you know, time stops. And that's the Indian of Marech Chaim. So it says the Baal Shem Tov, Sakin Ein Noisim Motana. It's a little Mizbeach. It's a little Achdos. It's a little Shalom. It's a little Marech Chaim. And so a knife, just like by the Mizbeach, a Sakin Ein Noisim Motana. It's possible. It's my own chiddush. I don't know, but it's possible to say that there's a, that there's a connection between those two. Okay, so here's the ikr. Let's jump into sichas around yud, which is much more substantial. It speaks to certain concepts that we've already discussed, but it's a very very important yisod. We'll see from the Tanya, other places in Kitzvei Bresel that also speak about this Indian, all the siyata with the help of the master of the world. Sichas around yud. Rabbi Nachman says harishayim heimaleim charatos. The wicked are filled with regret. But they don't even know of the regret that they feel. Because this very essence that appears to them, this force that compels them to do more wicked behavior and to, and to sin even further and deeper, this itself is an expression of the guilt that they feel deep, deep, deep down inside. It's because deep down subliminally, perhaps even subconsciously, there's a little bit of charata that they feel somewhere deep inside that for one moment there's a little feeling and a little, and a little reminder on that deep, deep, essential Jewish level that we spoke about, right? Deep down inside, something stirs. They try to drown that out. And that's what causes them to go ahead and to add on to their sin. This can be compared to two individuals that are wrestling, one with the other. When a person sees that the person, has, that the person he's wrestling with has a burst of energy, and then he 
needs to really put the pedal to the metal, right? And stand up and add on energy so that he can match and he can counter that person he's wrestling with. Kamoikin Mamish says the Rebbe, it's the same exact thing. When that evil, that wickedness inside sees, that a little bit of good and a little bit of essential holiness begins to peek its, you know, pick its head up through the, you know, out of the filth and up through the ground, and it sees that. So then what happens is, as I am as Gabra be Yoiser Kenegdai, right? Oh, Keshara Royet, right? When that evil sees Shemaskal is a toivel Sir Etzlam, as I whom as Gabra be Yoiser Vahavin. So then that negative counteraction, the, the Indian of the, uh, of, the, of the Satan and of the Yitzhara, is Mizgaber the Yoiser. And so in a certain way, it's Nabuch because they can go for many, many years feeling as if they have no connection to the Kedusha at all that's essential within them. But the truth is, is that all of the Rishos is itself an expression of the Charata, just as the Yitzhahara takes over and snuffs out that light at the moment that it starts to, to, uh, to reveal itself a little bit. So if you look in the Tanya, the Tanya teaches a little bit how to counteract this. And the Tanya Mamish brings a very, very similar mushal and talks about the same Indian. The Balatani writes in the The second type of love. There's the middle of a longer letter. In the beginning of the letter, the Balatani speaks about an overt ava that a Jew has. That's overt. That's clear. That's that's that that he's able to be margish to feel a love for the master of the world. Over here, he speaks about a second love, about a second expression of holiness. The second, he ava It's a love, it's a desire that the soul deep down desires and loves. Vaoheves vechafeitza and yearns l'davka ba'ashem l'tsrar b'tsarachaim to become bound with a kadosh baruch hu to be connected to the bonds of life. And it's this aspect and element within the soul that is always, always, always conscious deep down inside that tovla, that it's good, that it's good. Thank you so much for coming, Ali. That's good, that's tovla. That's, that, that closeness with Hashem is tov. That's good for the master of the world. That feels deep down inside that it's not a good thing, that it's evil, that it's painful distance from Hashem. No matter how difficult of a time this person is having and connecting overtly to Hashem, but it's, it remains deep down inside. Always feeling these feelings of love and the Bechina of Aseto and Sur Meira a little bit, always feeling that pain. It goes back to what we were speaking about before. There should be any external barrier between it and our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And the Baal Tani says that this love, he musteres believe klal Yisrael afilubir shine. This love is always present, hidden, concealed very, very deeply in every single Jew, no matter how holy, no matter how wicked, it's there deep down inside, flickering. It's like the pilot light of the old ovens, right? When the flame was, was out, but you were able to go sort of to the back, there was a little flame that was always flickering. You are able to relight the oven from that flame. It's, a little, it's called a pilot light. And all of us have that inside. Even the most wicked person feels these feelings. And says the Tanya, and I put it in bold here because it's mamish, or what Rabbi Nachman is saying, and it's from that little pilot light, that little, what's called in Tanya, Ahava Mususeres, that he speaks about in, in, in Tanya itself, in, in uh, Sefer Shalbein, in him, the first Chelek, it's that little hidden love that is the source for Charata. Because it's concealed and hidden, and it's in exile on the physicality of the body. The negative counterpart of that holiness is able to reign sovereign over it and take control. And therefore, it causes the person to come to sin. Mamash, what the Rebbe says. The Alkane, therefore, what we hear, he brings a little bit of an antidote to that. What is the essence of Avodah Hashem? How do we make sure this doesn't happen? Is to sort of preempt it through the knowledge of what's going to happen, to believe that we have this hidden love deep down inside that's there, whether we can feel it, whether we can't feel it, but it's there, and to preempt the klipa by going ahead and being misgaber in a very powerful, powerful way. In what sense? Bakol mi kol absolutely and entirely. Da'ainu mitchila legorshem aguf legamri b'machshaba dibor umaisa. At first, to consciously utilize the mind to think 
in the same way that we believe that that little spark inside is already thinking in a holy way, even though overtly we might not want to think about that, but to believe that the essence of ourselves <laughs> is present, the flame is flickering, and begin to, by believing in it to bring it mikoach alapoah, and to start thinking the thoughts that it itself is thinking, even though we don't necessarily feel like we're in that zone. And this could be moments after a chait or after a long, hard day, and it's not going so well, and things didn't go as planned at the beginning of the day. That means to take stock of the moment and realize that it makes no difference. On the external level, okay. On a conscious level, we may not be sort of in the zone that we would like to be in. But to believe that deep inside, there's a chilek of us that's always in that place, that's always in that zone, and to begin to create a channel that can tap into that flowing river to bring that irrigation to all the fields that may be dying on the external parts of ourselves, that we do have a shlita over our machshava and over what we speak about and over what we do, and therefore to be able to find that little spark and that little motor that even when things are not going so well, we can sort of compel ourselves and force ourselves by reminding ourselves that it's not a distortion that we're not forcing ourselves to do something that essentially we're not holding by. Because deep, deep, deep down inside, we're always holding by it. Deep down inside of the essence of who we are, it's always kirvas Hashem Litov, even though we don't feel that way. And so what we're called upon to do is to sort of cross the bridge between the deeply, deeply essential aspect of what we have deep inside and to draw from that mikoach and to cross all of the darkness that's not essential and to bring it mipoel to, you know, into actuality to begin to act this way. And this, we spoke about this at length, but it's connected to the concept of the aron. That in the outside was gold and the inside was gold, two gold boxes. And then in the middle was a little bit of, of wood, right? Which wood obviously in, in connection, in relation to gold is not very precious at all. And in a certain way, by most people, and I would say the Musser sort of approach, is the concept that inside there's one box and it's wood. And hopefully, by having a golden box on the outside, we can influence the wood and we can transform it, right? It's sort of shviras ha-midos rose, or tikkun adam or shleimus adam and so on and so forth. The Chassidus, the Chiddush of Chassidus very much was to reveal that there's another box, right, that's hidden. And it's gold inside, inside, that no matter what you're going to do outside, it's not simply in the hope of affecting the inside. That's not where it should be. But it's in the hope of traversing that wooden box and discovering and tapping into the gold that's always there essentially, that no matter what's going on on the outside, it is always precious. That's the Arun, that contains the Luchas and the Shivri Luchas. That even when we feel like we're broken, Luchas v'Shivri Luchas menachem ba'ard. We realize that beyond the brokenness, there's a Luchas there. And the secret is to be able to understand that it's present, to believe in its presence, and therefore to tap into it, not in the way of like the Chavis the Chinach, the Rambam, all of those Svarim say that a Tunuch an external action, or can affect the internal, right? So even when we're not feeling happy, if we act v'simcha, that can sort of change what's going on inside, but it's more than that. Is that the Tunuch is in the deepest way Reveal it's megala the panemius. It's not moireras apanemius to change something inside that's not, and we want to make it, you know, into something else. But it's really to 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 move beyond that, to walk past that. This is also hinted to to, to this nikuda of Yaakov Avinu who has the dream, the sula mutz of arts of Rosh Hashemayim. And what does it say? It says that. It says that um, when well before or, or, or after that dream long while after that dream, when Esav comes, right? Or was it before? Hold on one second. So Yishlach is after. He has the dream after he leaves already, right? I'm confused. After he leaves. After he leaves Esav. He's on his way back to Yerushalayim, right? No, it's as he's leaving to run away from Esav. Yeah. Seder. So a long while after that, after the whole Sipur of Loth, right? Right. In Parshish Vayishlach, so it says, Vayi'avik ish imo, right? That there's a person that battles with him, Adalois Shachar. This is Sarshal Esav. Right after that, that's when he meets Esav. They transfer gifts, Yishli Rav, Yishli Kal, and so on, that whole story. What is this word, Vayi'avik ish imo? On a literal level, that's what we're talking about over here, to wrestle, to battle with, Vayi'avik. Say Chazal, it's that that battling, that Esav is battling with Yaakov Avinu, Vayi'avik, it's a lashon of Avak. A lashon of dust, of dirt. By Yavik Sei Chazal means that Esav was trying to take dust, dirt, and to throw it all the way up to the Kisei HaKavod. What's on the Kisei HaKavod? The Pnei Yaakov. The face of Yaakov is Chakuk on the Kisei HaKavod. That's Chazal tell us. In the Mare, in the vision of the ladder, that Yaakov even sees a Sula Mutzav Arza that's rooted on the ground, Barosha Megiyah Malachi Elikim Oilum Yardim by the angels are going up and down the ladder. 
What is it that the angels are going up and down for, for what purpose? Say Chazal. The angels couldn't understand how on the one hand there's the face of Yaakov that's Chakuk on the Kisei HaKavod. That's Malachi Elikim Oilim. That they were going up to the place of the Kisei HaKavod and seeing the face of Yaakov. And then Yerudim, they were going down all the way down to the ground and seeing Yaakov Avinu lying there. And they couldn't understand how there could possibly be a human being in this world with the face of Yaakov. That's Mamish etched on the Kisei HaKavod. Pnei Yaakov is, is Chakuk ala Kisei. And Mamish, this is what Esav is coming to do. Esav comes to a Jew, and the Pasuk says, It's when a Jew is alone. Yaakov Avinu is all of Am Yisrael, comes from, comes from Yaakov, right? B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yaakov. And Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Esav comes to a Jew, the Satan comes to a Jew and says, It's very beautiful, you're serving Hashem, and you're surrounded by a bunch of other people. But what about Pasei, sir? What about, what about when you're alone? What about when you're on an island somewhere that there's nobody around and there's no one to show off to or nobody to pretend to? It's when a person is alone that Esav comes, the Satan comes and he says, let's see how firm you are now, right? When you're alone and there's nobody to, uh, to show off to, right? And that's Vayavik Ish Ima. That Esav takes that dust and he throws it onto the Kisei HaKavah to cover it up to say, you know something, Yaakov, when alone, when not surrounded by other people that are compelling you to act externally in a certain way, you're not holding anywhere. And that's he's trying to obscure, to take the dust and to cover over the face of Yaakov Avinu that's on the Kisya Kavod. But the Sulam, Mutzav Arts of Arishim Gia demonstrates that even when Yaakov is not being Yaakov down here, even when there's a long, right, Eretz Shemaim is 500 years, and from every single, right, Chazal tell us, from every single level of Shemaim onward and onward, there's a long place in between where a Jew might not be acting in, in the sense of his ideal, what he wants to do, how he wants to serve Hashem and Limanat Torah and davening and mitzvah observance. But the truth is, is that even beyond all of that, that bridge that we spoke about, right, between the gold inside the Aaron and the gold outside the Aaron, in the wooden place in between, but always, always the Pnei Yaakov is Chakuk on the Kisei. And that's why it's so important for Esav, who comes to attack Yaakov when Yaakov's alone, in the Bechina of being alone, to say that you're only doing this for other people. He needs to take the dust and quickly cover up the face of Yaakov Avinu on the Kisei Yaakov, because Kolzman, that that face is revealed, that it makes no difference whether Yaakov Avinu is demonstrating Yaakov below Below. Whether it's the face of Yaakov that's below in this world, showing himself as a Yid, like a Yid is supposed to act, it makes no difference. Because deep, deep, deep inside, even beyond all of that place, that ladder that goes mamish from earth to heaven, where Yaakov might not look like Yaakov, but all the way on the Kisei HaKavod, there's that little piece of Yaakov Avinu that's essential, that's always there, that pilot light that we're speaking about that never goes away. And so the ikr is to believe in that. Once we believe we have a channel inside, once we believe that we have an ocean, a stream, ava is connected to mayim, that loves HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's flowing passionately all the time, mayim chayim, that we have life inside of us, only if we believe in that, then we can start to dig. Then we can start to dig. And we can take our shovel and dig through all the dust until we're able to, to tap into that and then the water flows mamela. And so the ikr is to realize that, again, it's not a distortion to act in a way that we feel is not in congruence with how we feel inside. Because there's a place beyond how you feel. And that there's an inside beyond how you feel inside. That that place subconsciously is always feeling. And so the outside, again, is not a distortion. It's not pretending. It's not pretending. It's mamish not. It's not only trying to act in a certain way that hopefully will, uh, will, will change the inside. It's acting in the way outside that deep, deep, deep inside we're already acting and we're already feeling and we already look. It's the Pnei Yaakov Chakuk Alakisei that then takes that journey down, down, down the ladder and reveals itself in the Yaakov Avinu on the floor. Right? It's the golden box on the inside that's reflected in the outer box. But deep inside, that box is there. Right? That gold is there, even with the Shivri Luchas. But beyond that, the Luchas are always there, are always whole. And that's what he's describing over here, the Iker way to battle with the expression of Harata that manifests in Klipa, that manifests in a negative force that tries to take over and tries to bring a person and compel a person to further sin. Deep, deep, deep inside, there's this Ava Mususeres. And so to bring it,
So first you start and it's a little bit unnatural. It feels unnatural. There's nothing more natural in the world because again, you're tapping into the deepest essence, but it feels a little bit unnatural. But then eventually it becomes mamish keteva, like a second nature to you. And so in the beginning, it might be a little bit hard. It might be a little bit tough. You push past it, but you preempt the Yitzhahara by not allowing it to take control of the holiness you have inside. So the moment it starts to stick its head above the water, the Yitzhahara pushes it back down again. But no, you preempt that by realizing it's there and I got to give it expression. I got to bring it so that the automatic process of the Yitzhahara taking, taking over that never starts, right? Because you're there first and you're able to utilize that little bit of holiness in a way of Kedusha as opposed to it manifesting in a way, paradoxically, in a way of, in a way of further Toma. And so eventually a person can bring himself to this place where Mamish will spend his time thinking about Hashem. To realize how Hashem is the source of his life. In general, not only the source of all life, but the source of his soul. And therefore he'll be able really, in a, in a real sense, in an external sense, in the Yaakov on the floor sense, not just on the Kisya Kavod, to yearn, to long, and to desire, to be connected to Hashem, and close to Him, a natural yearning. Just like a son always yearns and healthy relationship always yearns to be by the Father. Until this is your natural state. Because you realize that it was always your natural, natural, natural state deep down inside. And you're able to bring that mikoach from potential to actuality. So then you'll really be on fire in an external sense to always be yearning, yearning, yearning for closeness and elevation to the master of the world to connect on the highest level. So that's, uh, that's, the, that's the Indian of, of the Balatanya, and it's mamish incredible that he says the same exact words, right? Umimena, it's from this little bit of holiness that comes, Balahem acharata. That therefore, that's where the charata comes from. But the Rebbe goes into this deeper in the Kutimran Torah, Reish Ayin Dalid. Reish Dalid Ayin, I don't want to say Reish Ayin. But 274, and the Rebbe says like this. Listen to this one, it's so tragic and heartbreaking. Da a person should know. that are wicked people. that they toil and work and expend energy their entire lives. This is their big avoda. They want to completely and entirely disconnect themselves from, from, from Kedusha and from Torah. Why? In what sense? Because this holy spark that we're talking about, this pilot light that they always have within them, that they had within them from, from birth, that represents the Iker Chiyas, the reason why the lights are still on, the reason why Hashem is still keeping the electricity going in the body to keep them alive. For what, sense, for what purpose? Because they have already still, they maintain that Kedushas Yisrael that we talked about in the Tanya. Even though they're absolute Rishayim, they're absolute Rishayim, but deep down inside, the fact that they're in this world means that there's a little bit of a spark of Kedusha. So he This little spark of Kedusha doesn't let them be. And in a stolen moment, you know, after the party when the red cups are on the floor and everybody went home, a little bit, you know, they, they, they feel this question gnawing at them. Like, is this what my life is all about? Is this, is this what it's all for? And so immediately their yigiyah and their toil is to snuff that little candle out so that they don't have that, what they call the Jewish guilt. Where does that come from? It's not from your grandmother, from your baba. I mean, deeply it's from your baba because she was davening for you over the neighbors for a thousand years, right? But it means that deep inside you have an essential point of holiness that does not let you rest. That doesn't let you rest. Or a little bit to think, you know, it's like the story with the Radichever. There was a big uh, masculine who came to the Holy Kedusha Slavi. And he went from Rebbe to Rebbe arguing, getting into big vikuchim, getting into big fights and, and, and disputes and discussions and debates with all the tzaddikim. And they all yelled at him and threw him out and kicked him out. They didn't let him speak to the Rebbe. But he comes to the Radichever and he sees there's nobody there. He goes straight in. 
And he knocks on the Rebbe's door and he's going with all of his proofs and all of his philosophical speculations and questions and, and, and proofs against God and so on and so forth. And he's ready because he heard that the Kedusha Slevi wasn't just a Rebbe, a Bidushavar. He was a Rav Avbezin. He had a yeshiva, 400, 500 students. They learned standing up. They didn't sit the whole entire day. They learned Gemara standing. There's no tables or chairs in the basement of the Bidushavar. Just standing, 500 people the whole day fighting, mamish fighting, you know? There's no table to, to hold them back. Mamish fighting. And so the Kedusha slave was a big genius in addition to being an enormous tzaddik and the lave of Am Yisrael, like Davra Malach Mamish. But he was a huge moach, and so he was ready to go ahead and get into it with him. Okay, so he goes into the Kedusha slave and he sees the tzaddik. He's like a little bit disconcerted. He's shocked. He sees the tzaddik running back and forth in his office, just running back and forth. Fire, fire. The Kedusha was a fire, Mamish a fire. Running back and forth super quickly. And he just, he doesn't know how to, I mean, he was never in such a situation before. He doesn't know what the right thing to say. Like, excuse me. He was just... The person, an old Jew, Pradishvaras lives in, into his 80s, 70s, 80s, an older Yid running, running, running. And so he sort of like sits on the side and just waits. He just wants to see what's going to happen. And after 10, 15 minutes of this, just standing there watching this Yid burning with energy, he never saw such a thing, a fire in human form, all of a sudden the Kedusha Slavi stops and he runs right over to him. And this person like bracing himself, like, what's this madman going to yell at me, you know? And Mamash the Pradishvaras stops like an inch before his face. And he whispers in his ear, he just says, he says, but what if you're wrong? And then he's back to running again. And it was just, it did something so powerful to this masculine. Just that little one question was able to create that irrigation ditch, you know, that connects the field to, to the source of Mayim, to the Mayim Amukim Belev Ish, to those holy waters of, 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 of yearning for HaKadosh Baruch Hu that exist all the time that we cannot snuff out no matter what. We're going to learn what happens if a person succeeds in snuffing it out. We'll get to that. That's the next line in, the, in, in, in Rabbi Nachman. You know, but it was able to impact him and it touched him deeply. And in one moment, everything changed. But what if you're wrong? It's like, what if? Whoa, what if? Amos did on Gadom. What is life about? We should all live long and happy. You're in this world for Zachakala, 120 years, very short period of time. What's it all for? What is it all about? For what? Who's keeping the lights on? I said last night, I give a shir, it's not economical to keep a human being in the world for nothing. We, we have no hasaga, what kind of energy it takes to power a human being, far more than the biggest tank or airplane, far more, because you can't measure it. It's not physical electricity, even though that you can probably measure you know, what, what's going on in the human being. But spiritually speaking, it's just not, it's not cheap to keep us around. It's not cheap. A human being is not cheap. We're not cheap to care for, we're not cheap our food we eat, but just on the basic level of the life force that we have flowing through our blood, it's not cheap. Blood is not cheap. Kipshutai, limbs are not cheap, right? That's how Kodesh Baruch is keeping us alive every moment for a reason. Even if a person feels that he's not able to activate the aspect of Yaakov Avinu Lemata, but there's a Kisya Kavod little piece of Yaakov Avinu deep inside of ourselves that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is hoping every moment we'll tap into it and bring it that's what life is all about to be able to live in accordance with our ideal that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu keeps us alive every moment and so Rabbi Nachman says that because they have this little flame of an Imas Haddin HaGadol why are they trying so much to eradicate it because it's because of this they have no pleasure from their sins no true pleasure from the sins and all their negative desires so they try everything they can to finally get to absolute kfira so that they'll finally be able to enjoy one Avera Mamish instead of doing the Avera but it's a little bit because that little piece of holiness is, is, is not letting them be it's not letting them enjoy it fully because it's always telling them, you know, really, that you're, you're going to get whipped for this, you know, or this is not, this is not how life is supposed to be lived. So they can eradicate any little drop of curiosity in the sense of religious speculation to get rid of it all. It's not stam. You can choose how you want to toil. This is also a big toil. To get to such a level of rishis that there's no tzad suffolk in a creator, that's the simplest thing to any basic little kid that you ask in the street. Anything that was created, kipshutai has a creator, it's not a big chiddish. To get to a place of such kfir where it's not even a suffolk, it's not even like agnostic, you know, totally, totally kfira complete, takes a lot of work. They have to work at this. They have to surround themselves with people who think the same way. They cannot expose themselves to any religion, you know, or any religious material. Mamish, they work on building a whole commune of kaifrim to live that they shouldn't one time see a Jew, that they shouldn't think. 
Kama v'kama shanim, rachmana l'tzlan, rachmana l'shezvan, a terrible thing. Ki ayahadu shebehem, what a lashin. The Judaism inside of them, that's in their DNA, it's in their bones, einam anachas oisam, doesn't let them be. Umavah belas oisam tamid, it drives them crazy. Because deep down, deep down, that little Ava Misuseret, that little Yaakov Avinu on the Kisiyah cover, the golden box inside the Aryan, it's always there, it never goes out. Veda says Rabbi Nachman, ignore the Gimel, it's a letter Gimel. But Veda, Rabbi Nachman wants us to know, there are some of them. That when they already actually reach the level and the place that their goal is to wipe away this little pintaliyid, this little chelik lukami mal, this little spark that they have within, and they get there, to such a place of absolute confidence and clarity that there is no God and that there is no truth to Yiddishkeit or to any religion, that they have no tzad of any sort of suffix about the truth. Says Rabbi Nachman, you know what happens then after all their years of toiling? As I take if umiyad mesim na Because again, what's keeping you alive is that pintaliyid. A person gets rid of it, immediately they pass away. And then the whole truth hits them in the face. So what did you gain? What did you gain? You can't run away from it. It's in our DNA. It's who we essentially are on the deepest, deepest level at the core of our being. So that's a very, a very powerful thing. And it's a very beautiful thing in a certain way. You look at Rishayim, you look at a wicked person, I don't really know any wicked people, you know? And even the wicked people that, I, that we do know, they're not really wicked, right? So much, so much of what we think is rebellion and coarseness and lowliness, it comes from pain, it comes from trauma, it comes from brokenness. Chazal tell us, can't judge another person because we were never in their shoes. We don't know what person goes through. We moms don't know. Even ourselves, we don't know subliminally, deep down inside, certain things we may remember, we may not remember. Kids pick up, you know, they say, I think like, like for every second of trauma that a person goes through as a little kid, years and years and years it can affect later on in adulthood. So who knows, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu can judge us because he's the Mekom Shal Olam. He's the place of the world. So he is in our place. So that no matter what we went through, he was always there. And he could do a Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. He knows how to judge us. He knows. He knows what he's doing with the world. He knows what he needs from all of our perceived failings and our tshufa from our perspective. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. What do Chazal say? Have he done as kala adam lekavzchus? Judge every person favorably. I don't understand. A couple of Mishnahis later it says, Don't judge a person. And it says, Should you judge or shouldn't you judge? But the answer is, it's one Mishnah. Right? It's not one Mishnah. But the answer is, is that it's one teaching. And the teaching is, is that When you judge the whole person, not just the actions that you see, but you judge the entirety of the person, all their circumstances, all their traumas, their family, their upbringing, their background, their, their, their hopes for the future, their disappointments, their ambitions, their dreams, their talents, their abilities, etc. The whole picture is lakapschus. And you judge them favorably because you take it all into account. That's Chazal say. Don't judge a person unfavorably until you get to their place. Because then, of course, you would judge them favorably if you understood. Right? So when you see a person, a wicked person, but you see a person who's not behaving properly, you realize that in a certain way, their gabros of Ra is itself an expression of Tov. It's just a reaction to the goodness inside that does not let them be, that makes them, compe- that makes them feel compelled to further and to deepen and to be mamic all these actions. So in a certain way, paradoxically, that is their Nukudatova. You look in the outside and you're looking for some sort of expression of holiness, but the truth is it might not show up as holiness. It might show up as further negativity. But that itself, if you're a good friend, if you're a good educator, we all have to be educators and friends to other people and share these ideas with other chevra to give people chizik. People are so broken. People are so broken. And it's the people that don't feel broken that are the most broken. They're so numb, they don't even know how to feel broken anymore. You know, but the people who are conscious, who are aware, that care about life, that have some spark of life in them, that aren't so dead that they don't feel anything anymore. They need help and they need us. They need a friend to put their arm around them and tell them and, 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 and express these ideas to them because they feel deep inside that they're finished. And they don't realize that what's compelling them to further sin is an essential drop of holiness that does not go out, that remains no matter what, and that if tapped into can change a person like Gamri. That's a big chizik to remember that in every situation, no matter what, that is the charata that you feel. It's subliminal. It's subconscious. It doesn't reveal itself as such. But it's an expression of that charata. It's a big, uh, it's a big chizik to remember that. Okay, let's finish the piece from Sikha Saran and we'll do the last two pieces.
And this is really a continuation of what we began with. Rabbi Nachman says, Because it's the same thing. This is a very important principle. Something we need to remember all the time in Avodah Hashem. Every person, not just a Russia or a wicked person, a person that's defined by wicked actions. All of us that we fall sometimes and we, and we get involved in certain behaviors that we know are not an expression of our deepest ideal self. Every single person in accordance with his or her inyan. A person needs to know that however much you're going to put energy into serving God, that on the one hand, Chazal tell us, a person comes to renew, a person comes to, to, to start fresh, Hashem will help him, but that's true. But Hashem will help you still within the general, general framework of how difficult, how difficult it's going to be. That the more that you try, get ready, prepare yourself. Already preempt this by knowing what's going to happen. The Yitzhar is going to be that much more powerful. We already discussed this in other places. A person has to be very wise about this. A person has to know already what's going to be. And Hashem sent us the Tzadikim to teach us what's going to be. To give us some sense of hope that we should have some chance. And when we have strategies, and when we're able to know and to realize that we have this little piece of goodliness, this little point of holiness inside, that's going to manifest if we, if we don't get involved, and if we don't make sure that we use it properly, it's going to take us to negative places, to worse places, to further rebellion, to further hate. So with strategies we can win the war. To preempt the negative forces we know are going to come and to strengthen ourselves. It's not enough just to say, okay, I'm going to start again. And this week I really want to be sure. Whatever it is to be by Shachar sometime, whatever, whatever the Nakuda we're, we're talking about, whatever it is that we're trying to guard, that we're trying to protect, it's not enough just to say, I'm ready to start again. It has to be with chizuk, with unbelievable fortification to know it's not going to be easy. On the contrary, it's going to be difficult in exact proportion to how serious we are about making it right. And sometimes a person doesn't understand. He says, why don't you help me? I'm trying to get close to you. I'm trying to do something for you. But this is part of the game. This is part of the process. And if we know about this mirosh, so then we can preempt it. To go with tremendous strength. Every single time. Fortunate is the one who's going to be able to win the war because this is the battle. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't want angels because if he wanted angels, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. Hashem wants human beings. And human beings struggle. That's what it's called, a human being. Ain't sadik ba'aretz. There's no even righteous person. That only does good and that never fails, that never struggles, that never meets a, you know, a, a, brick, a brick wall that's not able to go further. We all have those moments, right? And that's how Kodesh Baruch wants it. So that's the ikr. It's not about us, it's about him. And if he wants it this way, the ikr is l'natseach, is to stay in the game, is to realize that it's all part of the process and that Hashem doesn't want perfection, but he does want us to try our best in conjunction with the teachings of the tzaddikim who, like Moshe Rabbeinu, are bringing us up to HaKadosh Baruch or the shliach to bring the Torah to us, but it has to pass through the tzaddik that's able to give us the tools to be mikhaim the Torah in the way that, uh, that that's going to be possible to really live our ideal selves in the, in, in, you know, in the, in the clearest, and best possible way. So let's take a look at source number five, again from the Tanya. This is from Lukute Amarim, Sefer Shalbeininim. This is what's colloquially referred to as Tanya, is the first Chelek. And this is in Perak Chavches, also a famous piece from the Baal Tanya. And he says as follows Same exact mashal, Mamish the same mashal. The Baal Tanya says it's known, it's the way of those who wrestle, who battle with each other. You have two chavra on a wrestling team. When one is going to demonstrate an extra burst of strength, the same exact mashallah Rabbi Nachman brings the parable, the second person, the second wrestler is going to need to counteract that force with force of his own. And therefore, says the Baal Tanya, when that holy force of godliness, of goodness that we have within ourselves, that we talked about before, the pintaliyid, the nikuda tova, the little drop of good, the pilot light, that candle that never goes out, wants to go ahead and daven properly, just a muscle, it's a wrestle, it's a battling, it's a, it's a wrestling match. 
all the time. Every moment we're in a Malcham, like the Masil Sasharim tells us, in the first parak of Masil Sasharim, I think we learned it together, one of the previous Shirim, maybe on Seychas or Amdalid. So as I gam kena klipa miskaberis connect alabalbala ulapila bemachshava zarashala. So the Yitzhahar is going to come and try to go ahead and to bring a person to a machshava zara, to a foreign thought. Why in the Svarim are these thoughts that are negative called machshava zaros, foreign thoughts? Because that's exactly the point. They are foreign to our essential identity. Any negative thought that a Jew has is essentially foreign. It's strange to you, no matter how familiar it seems. It's essentially foreign because it's out of touch with the true you. That's why it's always referred to in the Svarim Akhtashim as a machshava zara, a strange thought, a foreign thought. And this is not like the mistake of the world. That they want to prove and demonstrate from this that they had a negative thought. So my whole tefillah was ruined. It shows that I'm not really holding in a place that Hashem wants to hear my tefillah. And we get completely confused and discouraged from this that we're trying to do something good. And a little bit we fall back into a machshava ra or a taiva and so on and so forth. And we think it's over. That's a mistake. That's mamash a mistake. And listen to this powerful words. It's totally, totally life-changing. Mamash a paradigm shift. Listen to this. Because they're thinking, if my tefillah would mamash be a, 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 a positive tefillah in the way that it's supposed to be, for sure, I wouldn't have any foreign thoughts in my tefillah. And we think that one little machshavazara or something that we're battling with, that we get distracted, okay, my tefillah is nothing. Says the Baal Tanya, and this is so important, this is really the foundation of the Tanya's whole system. He says, you know what? They would be right, such people. What? When would they be right? If a person would only have one soul, or a person would only have one aspect of their identity, then they would be right. Because this one soul, So then they're all confused. And this, of course, is the mistake that Rivka makes. She thinks she has one child, and this one child is all Muvubal. And therefore she says, I don't understand. Mesa I can't handle this. She goes to the inquire of Shem and Aver, and what or in the Yeshiva of Shem and Aver, and what does he say? There's two different souls. And the Balatani says this explicitly in Torah Ar. This is Mamish, the back and forth in the conversation that a Jew has. At first it appears to us like a Tamiya. We're completely and entirely bewildered over this. That on the one hand, sometimes we want Kedusha Adasof and we want to be pure. We go through a, we go through a perm, we get a little drunk and Rebbe, I want to learn. And, and Mamish on the one hand is so powerful. I want to get close to your Bani Shalom. I want to learn. I want to do mitzvahs. I want to be Kaddish Vitar. And then five minutes after Yom Kippur, we're back to our Shriot. So how does that happen? And that's Rivka's billable. It's like, I don't understand. What am I? Says the Baal Tanya, if you would only have one child, Bibitna, if you would only have one nefesh inside, then you would have to be right because it's, it's incomplete. On the one hand, it wants sometimes Kedusha, but on the other hand, it, it sometimes wants Tuma. So you haven't reached Shlemus. But says the Helega Baal Tanya, it's such a powerful thing. But the true truth is Heim Nefashes. You have two different entities within you. And you are not both. You are one. You are the Helega Lukami Mal. That is your essential identity. Anything else is a distraction. Anything else is the Nachash that originally shows up as an external force outside of Adam. Only after the Chet, Eitz Hadas, Tovara. Das doesn't just mean to know. It means an intimate relationship, a connection. Right? By Yeda Adam Aschabe Ishta. It means that they got together, right? They had a, they had a relationship. That's what it means. The eitz hadas tovira that eating from the eitz hadas and mixes tov and ra together as one. That we no longer remember, and it's no longer clear to us that the nachash is completely external, and we begin to think that it's a part of us. And that's the mistake that we make after the Eitz Adas when the Nachash is hitel bazuama, that the Nachash injects a little bit of its own self within the Jew, so then we think that it's just me, and I am all confused, and I am blemished, and even the Kedusha that I, that, I, that I sometimes want to express is not B'Shlemus, because look, five minutes later I want something else, or even B'Soch Tfilar, or B'Soch Seder, my mind is somewhere else, and so I think it's incomplete. But that's the mistake that we're making of Eitz Adas But if we're connected to the Eitz if we ate first from the Eitz HaChayim, says the Sfas Emes, and says, says Chazam Seifer also, if Adam and Chava would have first eaten from the Eitz HaChayim, 
the Eitz Adas Tovarah would have been muttered to them. Meaning, if we're rooted deeply in the awareness that Eitz Chaim Hilamachazikim Ba, that all we have to hold on to and the deepest element of our being is the Kedusha and the Tara is our essential identity, then you can engage in the world of Tovarah because you have clarity to know that the Ra is present, it's a part of me, I have to deal with it, but it's decidedly external and extraneous to who I am deep inside. It's not me, it's decidedly not me. And so then there's no billable. And listen to what the Baal Tani says. It's Mamish, his Lashon is so powerful. He says, Two separate entities that are in constant battle with one with the other in the mind of a person. Each and every one of, uh, and, and every one of them, their desire and their will is to take control of the person. To kick out the other force, at least for the time being, to enable the entire person to be filled with either the Satan or the Yitzhahara, this is the bad, or the Yitzhahara. All of the Torah and the Yerushalayim doesn't come from a mixture of a little bit of Adam and a little bit of Nachash. It comes completely from the Nefesh Elokis, from the Yaakov Avinu inside. And all of the other desires are coming from a completely different soul, from Esav, it's not the same, completely different. And that those thoughts... And those desires have no bearing on the status of Yaakov Avinu. Well, because Esav wants to go to, a, to, to, you know, to serve idols, that has a reflection now on what Yaakov Avinu wants to go to the base Knesset. Two separate people, Bichlam. No shaykhis. No shaykhis. Because the Nachash wants to make us sin, that means that deeply inside our Ratzon to do good is blemished. What, what, what does one have to do with the others? Two different Nafashos, Bichlam. Completely and entirely. It's just... That the Nefesh kiss is also able to take control of the Mili Alma and lift them up and elevate that to Kedusha. And this is not, it's not a, you know, a, a, a non-literal mushal. It is literal. It's mamish literal. A person stands up to Davin Bekavana, you prepare yourself properly. Tefillah shouldn't be something we rush into. A person prepares himself properly for Tefillah. And here, you, here, here comes an idol worshiper, a person who's coming to disrupt. And he stands outside of the person, trying to confuse him, trying to make him distracted in his Tefillah. What's the Eitzah? Not to become discouraged. Oh, I'm so terrible that there's this external, completely different conscious being that's trying to distract me. What bearing does that have on your desire to daven? What's the Eitzah? Ignore him. Ignore him. Not to beat yourself up, not to become discouraged, not to become confused, not to become bewildered. Ignore him. It's a separate thing. It's no, it's no bearing on who you are. Not to answer. Simply to tune him out. Don't answer a fool in accordance with his folly. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Because you start to get into a maso matan with the eight Sahara. A little bit, it means that a little bit he's within you here already one. But to be aware all the time. This is one of the foundational concepts of Hasidus that speaks again very much to the concept of is not ma'oreras hapanimis, but it's megala hapanimis. That Hasidus reintroduced that element of the essential holiness we have inside that we're not trying to distort ourselves to become Kadosh. We are essentially Kadosh Vitar. It's not mitoch shalolishma, balishma, we'll get to lishma. It's the mitoch shalolishma. Even inside the lolishma is already balishma. There's already lishma there. It's just concealed, it's, it's just hidden, right? And that's something so powerful that, that, that the tzaddikim came, it changes everything. So, this is really, in a certain way, the foundation of Hasidus. If we could really believe this, it would change the way that we deal with failure. It would change the way that we deal with a pitui, with a seduction to sin. Because instead of beating myself up and saying, I'm the worst, I'm so terrible, because that's what brings us, it's something external. It's the nachash outside. It has nothing to do with me. It's completely extraneous to my identity. Tune him out. Push it, tune him out. It's not you. And once you know this, so you're ready, that's part of the strategy. The Rebbe Nachman says, You're already one half the battle. You're ready one half the battle. Don't get into it with the Machshava Zara. Don't begin to think about your thinking negative thoughts. Because if you start to wrestle with a person that's covered in mud, you're, even if you win, you're going to get dirty also. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. By realizing in a certain way, he's, he has nothing to do with you. He has nothing to do with you.
The reason that we get confused is when we start to think, wow, Givat, I want, I want two different things. I want, I, I want two different things, which is not true. You don't want two different things. You want one thing. There's another entity within you that wants something else that tries in a way of mamish disguising itself in your identity to compel you to do something else, but it's not, it's not you. It's not what you want. Right. Leave them alone. In the world of the Tanya, that you're made up of nefesh al-kasim and nefesh al-hamas, isn't that actually you? I mean, the same way the nefesh al you're saying that the nefesh al is me, the nefesh al-hamas isn't me. That's right. Aren't they just both me? They are both rooted in your identity in the sense that they're po- both part of your neshama, right? But we talked earlier, we talked about, about premise, right? About something, the unmoved mover we spoke about, and that whole thing was a, philosoph- it was, it was a philosophical concept. But the premise of the nefesh al-hamas is the nefesh al Right? It's only because there's an Evesheloquis that is brought down to the world that needs to go ahead and to do things in this world. He made reference to that earlier, that also there's an Evesheloquis. But the Evesheloquis is decidedly secondary, right? In the sense of really trying to identify who am I? What am I? Beshorish. What's my essence? What's the premise of an Evesheloquis? It's an Evesheloquis. But Hashem made that there should be Bechira, so there's a little bit of an Evesheloquis. But still, it's not essentially me. Right? It's a part of me in the sense that the Nachash was hitel bazuama. The Nachash did become a part of us afterwards. Right? But where did it start? It started as an external being. After the Chedet Sadas, things got mixed together. Right? But our job is to rectify the Chedet Sadas, to bring us back to the place where we come to a level of consciousness to realize that all we want deep inside is to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That itself is the Tikkun. Right? It's only in the post-Chet world that the, that the Nefesh Bahamas is part of us. Essentially, it's external. Mamash is external. Right, ignore the asir Simply wipe them away, remove them from your mind. The yosef and it's a useful exercise. Always remember the two little, uh, 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 you know, infants inside Rivka's womb, Yaakov and Esav. And a little bit, you feel a little bit of Esav. Just re-divert your mind and your identity. Refocus yourself in Yaakov Avinu. let Esav do his thing. Mamas, you could let Esav do his thing. You let Esav do his thing. He'll still be inside of you. tell us. You know, you take the manoval and you bring him into the base medrash. He could still have a seed, but you realize he's not the Rosh Hashiva. It's not his. He's, he's an outsider. Bechlal an outsider. Pull him into the base medrash. Realize that your identity is rooted in the base medrash. Even though you're walking the streets of the world and you want a million things, in you get attacked by the Yitzhahara. To realize. That your identity has nothing to do essentially with what he's trying to get you to do. The Yosef Oymet, the Koyach Kavanasi, and this is a big, big strategy. If we can get this, if we can believe in this, if we can sort of retrain our minds in the sense of how to identify ourselves, what do we see when we look in the mirror, even beyond all of our actions, but to see, have he done us kol ha'adam, get to the root, who is this person, be'etzem, be'etzem, changes everything. Gives us a lot of tools, gives us a lot of strategies to fight the Yitzhahari in a wondrous way. You're no longer battling with yourself. Your identity is completely clarified. That has nothing to do with the ace of inside. Let's finish up with the last source, Chazi Hashem, from Rabbi Nachman in Memches, one of the most famous lessons in Lukute Maran. And the Rebbe says like this same idea. Veda, and a person must know. That there's a person, there are some people that a person is standing mamish at the doorway of holiness. After many, many years of a long journey of being very distant from that place, you finally get there. You're at the threshold that five minutes later of holding out, five minutes later of being misgabbered, connected to Yitzhar, five minutes staying a little bit extra in tefillah, whatever it is that deep inside the Yaakov of Yinu, the essence of you wants to do. But because of these confusions, you could mamash lose everything. So tragic, because you're right there. And this is even more accurate. It's not despite that you're standing on the threshold of holiness and the Yitzhar is amazed to go ahead and to attack. It's because, it's specifically when you are standing on the threshold of Kedusha. Like the mashal that we're learning about, two people wrestling with each other. It's then that the Yitzhar puts Mamish, all of his koach, into it. It's then, it's at the very, very end. Which is also what we're seeing now at the very end of time, that we have a Yitzhar, we have access to Tum in a way that no generations before could have dreamt of. It's because it's, it's his last stand. It's at the very, very end. He's, so he's using all of his weapons, all of his tachbulas, all of his plans, because we're mamish at the very, very end. And ultimately, he will fail. Ultimately, he does not win. But it takes strength 
Because even though collectively we'll survive, the question is each of us on 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 an individual level, can we hold on? Can we hold on? Because the Yitzhahar at the very, very end puts all of his koach into it. And it's dafka there that we feel compelled and pushed away by this magnetic flow or a very strong fan that's trying to push us away. And the ikr is to just hold on five minutes later, five minutes, hold on. We learned about Mara or Shulchan Aruch, right? Hang out there. Right right after Mara, you'll get to Shulchan Aruch, huh? Miketz, exactly. There's an end to the darkness. Hang on. Don't let go. But a person doesn't know this because he doesn't have the das of the tzaddikin that nobody ever told him this stuff. And so when he sees the going gets tough, he gets going, which is, which is a pella, not in a good way, in a, in a negative way, right? He leaves because he says, ah, turns out I'm not, I, 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 I'm just not cut out for this. And the tzaddik is saying, you shaita, give it five. It's, 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 not despite, it's not despite the fact that you're so close. It's mamish because of it. So hold on. Now is the time that you have to hold on. When it really gets tough, that's an indicator that your mom is right by the Pesach of Kedusha. Don't give up. Dafka there, hold on as tightly as possible. You have one foot in, and we think, oh my gosh, wow, I'm the worst person in the world because the little ace of inside is trying to be Mizgabra over the Yaakov Avinu. We're Bechlal, not that. It's an external force, an Adarab, it's an indicator that he's about to lose. So hold on, don't let go. Don't let go. It's specifically then that we mamish need to have such ischaskos, such strength. And so all of these ideas are very, very, very important, all of them. Again, essentially, it's a paradigm shift in the way that we're viewing ourselves to remain connected and to retain that awareness of our true identity. The Yaakov Avinu that's chakuk on the kisya cover, that golden box inside, that's always there. And externally, that's just trying to go ahead and to make that the external actions should be matim to the deepest essence of what's already there. There, and in such a way we can re-identify ourselves with our core holiness in such a way that the Yitzhara doesn't have a Pesach in. It's the Nachash that's external. We don't beat ourselves up. We don't kill ourselves over things that we're feeling that it's not really us feeling that something's separate. Ignore it. Let it be. And Mamish, when the tough gets going, that's an indicator that you're about to enter into the Shari Kedusha B'Zecha to get there and to hold on tight and, uh, and to ashrimi to be fortunate to, uh, to win the battle. Thank you so, so much for coming. And Mamish, take the sources. 